Welcome to the Cultivate and Respect Podcast. This is Darcy Castro. I am your elite national American woman of service 2019, dedicating my year of service to sharing fun and practical ways to be good servants to ourselves and one another. In this podcast, you can listen in on inspirational, sometimes funny, and always love-infused conversations about creating respectful environments in our own communities and in our own hearts. Follow the articles and podcasts at DarcyCastro.com. And a big thank you to Naomi LaViolette, singer and songwriter behind our creative and beautiful theme music. Let's get started. All right, friends, welcome back to another episode of Cultivating Respect with Darcy Castro. Thank you so much for being here and for listening in. Oh my gosh, is there a lot going on in our world right now? And um, I thank you for following um, what I've been writing, what I've been talking about. And I think I have another interesting conversation here today. Um, I know that I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Today, we're going to be talking with my friend Sally Eck, who I went to school with way, way, way back in the day on the other coast, far from here. Um, But she is currently a teaching faculty at Portland State University, our alma mater. And I'm going to let her tell us a little bit more about what she does. And outside of that, she's also a consultant. I'm an independent consultant um, working on expanding social social justice issues and equality for all for any business that wants to come in and have her speak. And I'm just... For years, I have been mesmerized by this friend of mine, and I am so grateful that she's here today. So thank you, Sally. Hi. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Darcy. Our mutual, of course. This is going to be so so fun for like all of our old friends, too, that get to hear both of us back together here. I think we'll get some good listeners. So Sally, first, before we jump into, you know, today we're going to talk about um, my essay, Could the Bully Be Me? And I really felt like you were the perfect person to deep dive. with this topic. Um, so before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do at PSU and as a consultant? Um, absolutely. Uh, yes, I've been a teacher at Portland State for the last 20 years now um, because we're old. And, um, <laughs> I know, right? Long time. <laughs> yeah, I've been at it for a bit. Um, I've had the opportunity to um, really do a lot of research and a lot of um, relating and community building in the classroom and outside the classroom around concepts of social justice and equity. Um, I've been uh, able to focus on social justice pedagogy. I've been able to focus Mm -hmm. on feminist pedagogy and anti-racist pedagogy, which uh, pedagogy is just the practice um, and study of teaching. Um, I've also had the opportunity to teach people at the incoming level around um, social justice and in, uh, in an introduction to women, gender, and sexuality studies class. I teach uh, a class that's the only one like it in the country called Interrupting Oppression. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I followed I some of what you've done with that, and I thought that sounded pretty, pretty amazing. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's been my baby. Um, for the most part. Um, I also have had the, uh, the joy um, of teaching a class called Girl Power. Mm-hmm. The last, that's the class that I've taught the most and I've really enjoyed um, as well. Um, and I get to be in the community and uh, teach workshops and do speaking engagements around social justice issues and interrupting oppression as well. So, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. 
So again, that's why I said, I think you're going to be the perfect guest for what we're talking about today. You know, um, kind of jumping ahead and around here with some of our topics, like, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, I think when I wrote this piece, I thought, you know, when we hear the word bully, it's very, I mean, at least for me, it's easy for me to jump to like, you know, what, what we're talking about in schools, like with younger kids and things like that. But, you know, bullying really can, you know, it is intergenerational. It really can, you know, can touch anybody. So, you know, from your perspective, you know, what is, what is bullying? What do you see that as? And how do you see that in your community? You know, all of my work is about um, understanding oppression and the ways that mm-hmm. we fit in to oppressive systems. And bullying is uh, kind of a critical aspect of that mm-hmm. to a personal level. Um, oppression is a, an institutionalized power imbalance. Mm. And institutionalized power imbalance, that's part of our socialized consciousness. So we kind of all fall into place around those power imbalances and are often um, kind of rewarded for holding on to those, those and supporting those imbalances. And we're also um, punished when we step outside of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also those power imbalances themselves are punishing because there are material impacts on all of us um, mm-hmm. from those imbalances. And bullying is, um, is the same. It, that's what bullying is. It's about supporting a power imbalance. And bullying is, becomes that much more uh, powerful and um, poignant, profound in our lives mm-hmm. when it is supported by institutionalized power imbalances. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the example that I give a lot um, when we're trying to understand oppression is I'll talk a little bit about sizeism because I've kind of always been a fat person. Um, I prefer the terms juicy and delicious. Juicy and delicious. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, sizeism is, um, is an aspect of, um, of oppression that mm-hmm. impacts um, uh, a great many of us in, our, in the U.S. and around the world. And um, uh, on the playground, for instance, mm-hmm. when I was little and I was being bullied for being fat, um, it might not have been that big of a deal if it was one person one time saying you're fat. It might have been like, oh, okay, huh? And then I would go off and play. But because one person one time says I'm fat and in an interpersonal experience on a mm-hmm. playground, and the um, the value of fatness is um, is degraded all over the place in every other institution we have access to, from the health system that's fat phobic to the educational system that's fat phobic to family systems that are fat phobic, mm. um, to the media, to um, even workplace um, discrimination, to um, space discrimination. All of these things are happening. Um, that one moment becomes a much bigger, more impactful experience because it's supported by all of these other systems. Mm. So when we think about bullying, um, it's never just like, um, I'm rubber and you're glue. The vast majority of the time, it's, it's about some other um, aspects of the ways we are experiencing lack of access to our own um, potential and our own mm. Oh gosh, right. Um, and the ways that that is um, kind of perpetuated through other systems. So when we reinforce that with each other on an interpersonal level, we are feeding these systems that are just hurting people on a grand scale. So bullying is a much bigger deal 
then I'm rubbering your glue or right. stays and stops. Right. Yeah. I like how you're, how you're framing that, you know, as, as part of it, this institutionalism, you know, cause I think, gosh, well, how do you even, that seems very daunting. Like, how do you, how do you cut it out at the source? You know? So in my article, you know, from my perspective, personally, just the, the way forward that I saw or I see, uh, I tried to communicate is just, it has to start with interpersonal, um, you know, taking, taking a real look inside about what, well, what are we doing? You know, it's so, and that's, you know, that's really a lot of the concept behind cultivating respect. You know, we want, all of us, you know, want more respectful communities, of course, you know, that's, that's an easy thing for us to agree on, but how do we get there? And, you know, there's lots of finger pointing that could go along with that. But what is that going to accomplish? You know, I can only accomplish what I can do myself right here in my space. And that starts with looking at myself in the mirror. So it's that internal examination of conscience. And that's kind of where I go with this article is that, you know, what if the bully's me? <laughs> you know, like what if it's a, I'm sure we've all done things at some point as, you know, as, as woke as we think that we are, I'm sure there's things that we do and you know how you just framed that where there's this, you know, institutionalism that, you know, provides the groundwork. So how do you think that we can step away from feeding into that system? If it's there and that's what has, what we've grown up in and what we see every day. I mean, I think that's one of the things that I have been trying to think about and kind of a side effect of a lot of the work that I do in mm -hmm. terms of teaching people how to interrupt oppression, which is about having um, kind of an action or a dialogue uh, that will resist the experience of oppression in our lives. Um, and that, so that might mean that we are kind of on the targeted end of that oppressive experience, or we might, um, we might be agents of that oppression, but we know other people who are targeted by it. Mm -hmm. We feel like we need to say something or do something about it. Um, that's what an interruption is. But ideally, if we can all start interrupting ourselves, mm. yeah. how I feel connected to, um, which connects to what you're writing about, I think, is really kind of saying like, what, how do I show up in the world? What's my relationship to oppression? What am I willing to give up? What am I willing to recognize um, in order to make vital shifts that need to be made mm -hmm. to be supportive of everyone and really creating the kind of world that we would want to live in? Um, and that would mean that we would all have to be doing lots and lots of uh, internal work and really considering um, our own uh, our own ideas around our own cultural training around mm -hmm. what we feel like, uh, is the right thing to do is um, and getting you know accepting feedback, being in our humility really right around um, around how we can shift to make things better for us right. And doesn't that take a lot of courage, you know, like to, to do that internal examination and to, you know, and be, and be kind and forgiving with ourselves, you know, that we've, we've erred and it's okay to do better. Like, you know, I think sometimes that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I think it is, it is really hard to do, but it's also about, um, you know, there's a few concepts that I think are important in this particular con, uh, within these concepts. And uh, one of them is um, to be responsible for our 
intentions and accountable for our impact, which will mean that we'll be willing to pivot and we'll be willing to just ask ourselves like, Hey, mm-hmm. how am I doing? What happened here? What, what was, what did I mean to do? How was it received? And how mm-hmm. can I, um, how can I make it actually land the way I hoped it would land in the future? So it's, it is a constant um, evolution and a commitment to evolution we don't want to get too rigid about these right. things so that uh, so that we can let in good information and um, and let it change us. I was just reading this article from, uh, in the Washington Post uh, about Alan Alda, the amazing actor. Yeah. Nash, you know, um, and um, and from a million other things, too. Mm-hmm. And um, and he said that um, I know that I'm listening if I'm willing to be, if I'm really deeply listening, if I'm willing to be changed by the other person. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's so sweet and so Mm -hmm. profound. And that's, you know, kind of what uh, the work of changing our own relationship to power would be. Mm -hmm. Letting things in, letting ourselves be changed. And that's not weakness, you know? No, no, Mm -hmm. not courageous act mm-hmm. and it's a very um it's one of the, you know being vulnerable is one of the most um one of the most courageous things we can do mm-hmm. uh, and um and you know we are in kind of desperate times right now things are freaky in ways oh that my gosh happen. yes um so what better time than to think about how we can share how we can show up to each other how we can uh like really offer like the most compassionate listening and care and presence that we have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and yeah, exactly. Especially we're tested in times like these, right? It's, um, it is scary. It's scary for a lot of people. You know, I think about just going to the grocery store, good opportunity to be your best self right now. (laughs) Right. And what if we translate this, um, this like really a prominent um, invitation that we mm-hmm. don't really always have access to, to our every, every moment. Mm-hmm. Like what would my best self look like in this moment? Right. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's so true. You know, um, I know you kind of spoke to this, but you know, what are some tactics we can do when we experience bullying ourselves, but also when we see it happen to other people like this, you know, interrupting, like, how can we do this in a way that's not confrontational or going to add fuel to fire or that's going to engender respect and, and common understanding? Yeah. You know, I think one of the challenges that we have is that we, um, part of our cultural training, which is part of our socialization, what's helped, which helps uh, fuel and oppressive system is that we feel like if we say something to resist or to uh, support um, people who are being kind of um, even ourselves mm-hmm. um, uh, who are being bullied or oppressed or microaggressed upon um, that we will end up um, kind of um, being uh, being the transgression, being the problem. And, um, I think that we have to, uh, be a little calmer Mm -hmm. and let things in a little bit and, uh, kind of 
recognize that um, that we are not the origin of the transgression. If we feel mm-hmm. compelled to be supportive, respectful, to say something, mm-hmm. and, um, that's a pretty important thing to to kind of be aware of, so that we can know what we know um, around how to have a good conversation with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important to get information about why people believe the thing that they believe. Um, so mm-hmm. asking questions could be a good strategy. Um, right. You have to be willing to take time. I think that would be an important thing. But I do think that many, many times um, an interruption is a gift. It's a very um, valuable thing to offer to people. Wow. What a, what a loving perspective. Um, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like to look at it the, from, from, from that lens, you know, like it is, it can be a gift, you know, if done in the right way and from the right Absolutely. intention. I mean, I think about, you know, if I said something that was oppressive and you are my friend of more than 20 years and, um, and you, um, let it go, um, that, you know, there's something about you that says like that you don't believe I have the capacity. Mm. and that to engage in a better world with you um and it's just like that kind of lack of um of uh belief in me by my friend Mm. um heartbreaking if we really think about it so it is a gift to do that and then when you offer that to me then you're saying i believe in your capacity to change the world with me and i want you next to me in that and that, you know, that is exciting. That's like a, that's a lovely thing to have. So if we can come at these conversations in a way that says, I believe in you, I want to have this conversation with you. Right. I believe that you and I together can make things better in our community or even just for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, then, um, then there's, a, there's a lot that's possible for us in that. Right. That like my heart feels like so warm just hearing that. That is so, that is just such a refreshing perspective. You know, one of the things I really admire about you is, you know, being friends on Facebook and being able to follow your work on social media, the way that you interact with people is so inspiring because you always come from this perspective of kindness. Like you have to say what you got to say, like, don't get me wrong. And I respect your viewpoint so much, you know? Um, and, but just the way that you respond to things is clearly just done from such a place of compassion and kindness that, you know, I just find it so refreshing and inspiring because we do live in the world of the, you know, you just bang out your response, you know, we're at home behind our computers. We're not, you know, face to face with each other as much anymore. And um, I'm getting a visit from the five-year-old or the six-year-old. Okay, I'll be done in just a little bit, buddy. <laughs> this is what it's like working from home now, people. Um, but, you know, what do you need, JJ? Oh, okay, go downstairs and get your water cup, baby. <laughs> Usually it's a dog barking or something's going on in the middle of my podcast. Oh, no, but, you know. on my end. <laughs> your cat seems very quiet there i gotta say yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know it's like and especially right now here we are in the middle of an unforeseen time of quarantine and oh my gosh people's mental health is really going to be tested 
and we are, you know, I mean, I find myself going to Facebook, not only just to keep up on kind of the thoughts and the pulse of, you know, how people are feeling about things, but just for social interaction and feeling less alone. So I think that the social networks online are going to become very important right now. Yeah. However, people are, you know, our mental health is going to be tested. And, um, I think how people like react to each other, you know, and how we behave online has not always been the best since these, you know, have become prominent modes of communication, you know? So I think even, you know, being, thinking critically about that and about how we're reacting and about what we have to say and, you know, coming, coming at it from that perspective, I think is, is even more crucial right now because that's one of the only places where we're going to be able to communicate with each other for this unforeseen time. You know, it's, it's scary. (laughs) Basically. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, and we can't control how other people are going to receive our um, Mm -hmm. insight. Right. But we can, uh, we can control how we offer it. And Mm. if we do consider the desired outcome, um, so what do I want to have happen from having given some insight that's about respect and care? Mm-hmm. What do I think will happen? It needs to be a question we're always asking ourselves before we, um, before we decide to uh, use that keyboard. Right. What do I hope will happen from this? What is my desired outcome? Do I want this person to um, be upset with me and um, get really defensive and then really rigid about this politics mm-hmm. that seems dangerous? Or do I want them to have, um, uh, to be able to fold in new insight and hopefully um, mm-hmm. be a little bit better from having interacted with me? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and sometimes it's the former and not the latter. Sometimes mm-hmm. we really feel like, I just want them to like be quiet because they're being awful and that's all there is to it. And so we just like, you know, and so that's still an interruption. Um, it just might not get the results that we might have desired. Right. Um, if, if we really thought about it. So just taking a moment to think through like, what would, what, what would be kind, what would be the right thing to do? You know, the kind thing to do is to interrupt oppression. That is actually Mm -hmm. the kind thing to do. Mm our tongue is not necessarily the kind thing to do right um, and that's kind of our that goes against a lot of our cultural training too yeah mm-hmm. you know because it doesn't always feel nice to have mm-hmm. those difficult conversations um but those difficult conversations are going to be what save us mm-hmm. so now if we think about how we think about things and having a letting new information in to um to allow more space and more access for more kinds of people there's mm-hmm. uh, not really anything better that we could be doing. Right. So we have to give ourselves time and give ourselves, but we are, you know, literally changing our minds when we're doing that. Mm-hmm. So our brains are making new neural pathways. Mm-hmm. We have to give each other a little time, give ourselves a little time, but also like really be working toward it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that's possible if we, um, if we work together, if we slow down, if we really think, what would I like to have happen from having had this conversation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just jotting some notes down because, you know, that's part of the work that I'm trying to do with cultivating respect. I'm really not trying to stand on a pulpit and preach. I'm just trying to, I guess, just share my perspective and help make things a little bit better and help engender 
you know, more respectful environments from my own perspective. But you know, I just wrote down that, you know, like what's my desired outcome from this? And I just, I'm going to keep that forefront every time I'm writing something. So I appreciate awesome. that. Um, you know, talk about, you know, kind of jumping the, the tracks here to talking about being a mom. It's, you know, you have this important work that you do, you know, you're raising two beautiful children and now we're doing this in the midst of, you know, quarantine and national crisis and, you know, kind of the what ifs of where are we going to be next month? You know, <laughs> it's just, you know, how are you, um, you know, on a, in a, on a regular day managing it all, you know, I think this, this notion of balance is a little bit of a, of a myth, but, um, you know, I mean, how do you, how do you strike that with, with everything that, you know, that with your personal goals and now, you know, with this extra layer of challenge, how are you managing that? You know, I think that balance is a setup. I think mm -hmm. it's a lie. Mm -hmm. I don't, it's a tool that, um, you know, the uh, consumer culture uses to make us feel bad about ourselves. <laughs> right. Right. So, so I just, you know, I think what is, you know, what are, what will be the most valuable things to accomplish and what, how, what's the most I think I can get done and what are, um, what are my priorities? You know, mm -hmm. my children are the very first priority always. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I feel like I, um, I've loved my time at the university and I love that I get to be there. Um, and I've made the best of it for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and I haven't done every single thing I could have done, written all the books and had all the conversations because as an independent mama, my children right. come first and I just, I don't feel bad about it. Um, and I will offer what I can to the world when I can. Right. Uh, and that feels, uh, feels better to me. Um, I feel like I, when I think about balance, um, I just think, um, am I, uh, I think, what do I think of as the meaning or the purpose of life, the meaning of life mm -hmm. and, uh, the meaning of life is love and purpose. Mm. So if I have love, which I do, cause I have these awesome kids and amazing friends and wonderful partners mm -hmm. and parents and et cetera. So that's lovely. Um, so I have a lot of love and, um, and then I have purpose, which is, um, like showing up and trying to change the world in whatever ways I can. Mm -hmm. Um, and one or the other one is feeling, um, a little bit, um, if I'm feeling out of whack, then I try to figure out how to access both of those, either one of those things and mm -hmm. really love where, where I'm showing up and where I'm not showing up. Um, I also like to make things, mm -hmm. um, a little bit more, um, centered. So I like to make spaces and I've like built fences and cabanas and um, awesome. furniture and all kinds of weird stuff. Um, and you know, jewelry and baking and all kinds of things. Right. So I, I think being creative is another, um, outlet, um, that is helpful in the midst of trying to make everything work. I can, mm -hmm. I'm being creative. Yeah. Right. Right. Wonderful advice. I love that. Yeah. I think a little bit of my silver lining right now with this, um, unknown circumstance we find ourselves in is all of a sudden my extremely busy calendar is wiped out. Oh, except for my podcast today, because this is totally a safe thing to do. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> we could 
totally have this interaction across, you know, however many thousands of miles because absolutely, we're, you might safe, have we're super socially distant right now. <laughs> <laughs> From Oregon to Connecticut, can't get much farther than that in the United States. So, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, with my kids and all their activities and school and, you know, it can be, um, you know, on my professional goals and running a household and everything, like it can be a little overwhelming. It can be a lot overwhelming actually. So I, you know, I put a lot of intention behind like how I spend every minute of every day. And part of that is making sure that like, I'm feeling okay about myself. So I'm the best I show up as the best yeah. self yeah. for everybody yeah. else. But it's really interesting because things just started falling off the calendar. Soccer's canceled indefinitely school. I don't know about that. They said a couple of weeks, but you know, um, yeah, all the activities that volunteering, like everything. I've never had this moment where it's like, I have zero obligation except to stay home and take care of my kids right now. And, um, I feel guilty a little bit that I'm like super enjoying that. <laughs> that's like, that's a little bit, you know, at this time of national crisis, like that's a little bit of my silver lining that all of a sudden, like these things that were, you know, part of my daily life that were, you know, stressors to some extent are now like, wow, it's all wiped out. So I'm, you know, getting to be creative. Like you said, like, that's really big for me. I'm, I love to read and I like to make stuff, whether that's cooking or, you know, painting furniture or whatever, you know, I've been doing a little bit of that and spending a lot of time with my kids and being outside. And, you know, that's kind of what's giving me a little peace right now too, you know, so um, you know, cultivating respect is, is so dear to my heart. And I appreciate that you've supported me in that and read my work and, you know, been willing to come today and talk about this, you know, so just, you know, before we wrap this up, I have a, just a few questions for you along those lines, but you know, how can we, from your perspective and your work and what you do, how can we encourage respect in our communities? Um, yeah. Wow. There's a lot of things that we can do to encourage respect. I think that um, we have to really um, be willing to let go and to question mm -hmm. uh, what kinds of messages we've been trained to believe about who's valuable and who's not. Oh, yeah. And um, and really question, really deeply question that stuff. So that we can uh, we can find a way to um, to access all the gifts of all the people all around us, um, because everyone has something to offer. Mm -hmm. Be really lovely and really important. Yeah, and, um, and we want to let that stuff in. Mm -hmm. So checking our assumptions, checking through, checking all of that, um, looking around if we have any kind of access to power in any kind of way, whether we're um, in a meeting or um, uh, on a board or in a parent group or whatever, like looking around and seeing whose voices are missing, mm -hmm. looking around and seeing who um, who's with you that doesn't actually seem like they get to show up in a way that we'd like them to, mm -hmm. or in a way that we feel like we're available to do. Mm -hmm. Um, and finding ways to make space for that. Um, looking at policy, looking at rules and laws and questioning if they're good for everyone. Mm -hmm. 
And if they're not like really trying to, I mean, these, the creative work piece about like baking or cooking or, you know, uh, writing or any playing music, all that stuff um, should help to cultivate respect too, in the sense that it will build our imaginations. And Mm. uh, when we build our imaginations, then we are able to understand what's possible that we didn't have access to before. We have access to that and then, you know, there's, there's just more that's available in terms of solutions and um, possibility. We have to let ourselves possibilize. Right. I think we put on pedestal people as visionaries, but we could all be visionaries. Mm-hmm. We could all be. Gosh, yeah, that's beautiful. We kind of need to be. Mm-hmm. Everyone's creativity and inspiration, even people that we thought that we were disposable. There's no person that's disposable. No one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that is a really beautiful perspective. I really appreciate that. So before I let you go, um, tell me what was something you read recently that you really enjoyed? Like what's, what's on your bookshelf that you would recommend? Oh, wow. Could be fiction or nonfiction. <laughs> Let's see. What am I reading right now? Um, you know, um, I'm, there's this book called Pleasure Activism. Mm-hmm. Really, um, really lovely. I would recommend that to anyone. Nice. Uh, it's, um, I mean, it's a little sexy. So if you feel a little bit uh, nervous about things that are sexy, then um, then it might not be the book for you. Mm-hmm. But brave and see about that, then it could be, um, it could be really useful. Um, but kind of the underlying um, point, I think, of that work is that, um, is that all of this uh, really hard work of examining and problematizing and critiquing our culture um, uh, is really valuable um, and can be draining if we don't do it with joy. Mm-hmm. So we have to find pleasure and joy in all the mm-hmm. hard work mm-hmm. that's, um, that's in front of us. So, wow. Yeah. That sounds good. I just finished... Um, another Barbara Kingsolver book. I don't know if you like her work or not, but I just finished the lacuna and it was so good. (laughs) So, so good. Highly recommend. Yes. That, that was my little like mind blowing, um, hand motions there because you can't see it, but yeah, so good. I've, I've never read anything of hers that I wasn't just like profoundly moved by. Um, so I've been reading her work for a long time and I think that was like, there's only one or two of her books that I haven't read. So I was like, Oh, I gotta, gotta, gotta get that one done. And oh my gosh, it was so good. So I love those strong female writers that just, I just feel like their work significantly shifts your perspective. And I just have so much respect for her. She is really phenomenal. She is such a, she's really, uh, just she creates literary masterpieces and I think she's so fantastic. So highly recommend. Um, Great. So I'm always looking for something good to read. So I like to ask that of my smart and interesting friends too. So <laughs> thank you. 
Well, we're going to wrap up here, folks. Um, thank you so much for joining me today and listening in. Um, if you haven't listened or read to the essay, Could the Bully Be Me? You can find it on the website and on the blog, um, excuse me, on the blog and on the podcast, which are all on DarcyCastro.com. So check it out. Thank you so much.